Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka Hello, everyone. I'm Denise Hanitka, and you are listening to a brand new episode of On a Mother Level. So glad you are here, and thank you in advance for telling a friend about this episode. I want to talk to you a little bit about our girl, Britney Spears. If you are following this story, I want to tell you the latest in her conservatorship battle. So as of this week, Britney Spears is now allowed to hire her own attorney, an attorney of her choice. After her court hearing this week, when she spoke once again to the court, accusing her father, Jamie, of abusing his power as her conservator in her court hearing. In an article, quoting now from Us Weekly, Britney says, I'm here to get rid of my dad and charge him with conservatorship abuse saying she's extremely scared of her dad. This conservatorship has allowed my dad to ruin my life. During the hearing, she was also granted the right to choose her own lawyer. This is for the very first time since the conservatorship began. Samuel Ingham was her court-appointed attorney who's been handling her case. He resigned in June. So at this court hearing, the judge approved the former lawyer's resignation, and allowed Brittany to replace him with the lawyer of her choice. His name is Matthew Rosengart. He's a former federal prosecutor, and he has history with other celebrity clients. And I tell you all of this uh, updates on the Britney Spears case because at some point during the conversation with my guest this week, we started talking about Britney Spears and having children in the spotlight. And so I figured we may as well tell you the latest information. So the latest being... Britney Spears says her dad has abused his rights as a conservator and that she now is able to choose her own attorney, who she's paying for, by the way, to get her freedom back. So that is the latest there. The other court case that I am following, if you guys have been following as well, is the Molly Tibbetts case. Hey, wait, Denise, I thought somebody was convicted of that. Yeah, they were. It was the end of May. Well, now... The attorneys representing her killer, Christian Bahena Rivera, say they have information that not only did somebody else do it, but that somebody else may also have kidnapped that 11-year-old boy, also out of Pauschett County, Xavier Harrelson. 
It's too complicated a story to tell on this podcast, but you can look at my reporting on Facebook about this case. Basically, it's a standstill right now, but what they eventually want is for there to be a new trial. That's what they're going for here. The jury, though, convicted Christian Bahena Rivera, said he was the one who saw Molly on the side of the road when she was running, got upset that she rejected his advances. She hit him. He killed her, left her in the cornfield. So, but while I'm covering this case, you remember that when I was covering the trial, Everett bashed his face in at daycare, and I had to run him to the ER. He's fine. Well, of course, as I'm covering the Molly case this week, now the same kid, my sweet little Pongalong, my Everett, decided to get a little tummy bug. Timing, you guys. Timing. I don't know what it is with this kid and me having important court cases to cover, but yesterday I took my computer home and I fully intended on sitting in the bathroom with him with his little tummy bug and trying to record this podcast. That didn't work out. That's why we're coming out a little bit late today. But I'm not going to skip this week because I am so excited for you to hear my interview with Naila. My guest today, I started out talking with her. It happened to be my birthday, the day that we were recording. And so she revealed to me that she does something special on her birthday where she really lays out her goals for the year. And so that's why this episode is called The Year of Habit. So please welcome my guest, Naila Suleimana. Oh my goodness. I am doing good. I, okay, let's see. What did I do today? I woke up, I ate some oatmeal and then I turned on some jazz music and jammed a little bit. (laughs) And that's pretty much been my day. I've just been hanging out around the house, cleaning up a little bit. That sounds like a great start to the day. Are you normally like a breakfast eater person? I have to eat breakfast. Really? Yes, I definitely have to eat breakfast. Otherwise, I just, I don't know. It does something for me. It springboards my day. (laughs) See, I feel that way about coffee, but I hate eating food in the morning time unless it's like a donut. Oh, that's understandable. (laughs) That's understandable. A lot of people are that way. Oh, okay. So I have to tell you, Denise, I listened to episode 84 it was setting the tone yes with Jarek. yes and you said something that really stayed that stood with me and you said for the next six months you're looking for the light yeah you you want to do things that make you feel light what lights you up inside right yeah and that you want to bring more ease to each day, anything that will bring ease to the day. So Mason and I, we made you a little keychain. Oh my gosh. It has a couple feathers in it and some sunshine. It has a little sun in there and a little heart for you. That is the coolest thing ever. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. So that is I'll really to- cool. You After this, we'll have to set that up. I love that. I love that. Tell me why um, the, the concept of, of finding the light stuck with you or meant something to you. You know, I think it's because I'm on the same journey. Yeah. Yes. I am always searching for ways to just have that light, um, 
that light spirit. That's, I feel like that's the goal of all of us, for all of us human beings, you know, we come on this earth and there's a lot of things unexpectedly that the world throws at us. And we just do what we can every day to, to make it work. And I feel like if you can really just live from the inside out and do what makes you feel light, then you're on the right path. Yeah. And I think that's sort of what my challenge is right now. So little backstory, Mm -hmm. I went and had a massage the other day and I haven't had a massage. The, The therapist that I saw was horrified because the last time I had a massage was my friend's wedding, you know, it was like, everybody's a bridesmaid. And it was like, let's all go get massages. And that was like maybe 2005. Mm-hmm. So, so she was like, you haven't had a massage in 15 years. I'm like, no, I, I don't know. It's just not something I normally do. So I went and, and she said, you know, can I massage your pecs? Which like, I've never had anyone massage my pecs. Like, I don't know what that entails, but I was like, nah, sure. Uh-huh. You know? So, you know, she does this like brief massage of my pecs and then she does, you know, the rest. And afterwards she said, you know, your, (laughs) she said, your pecs are really, really a lot tighter than I thought they would be. And I thought like this woman massages people for a living and she's like blown away by the tightness of my pecs. Okay, now here's the thing. This is not like me complimenting myself. This is me realizing that I'm probably tight in the chest because I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Like hunched and I'm crunched. And it's like, why am I like that? Like, why is my body like, like this, you know? And partially it's like you're bent over your phone. But then, so when you think about what you just said, which is like living inside out. Well, my insides are telling me to like curl up in a ball and I'm trying (laughs) to tell myself to like, free, free up your shoulders, like lighten up, like get, get out of whatever it is that's making me crunch tiny like that. Right. You know, that's why I love yoga and I don't do it often. I have not gone to yoga in a long time, but that is one thing that I feel like is so beneficial for your body in that way. Cause you can stretch out all those muscles, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I just stretch in the middle of my living room. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're making me feel a little philosophical because um, today's my birthday. Oh my goodness. Happy birthday. Well, thanks. And and that's not why I'm saying it. Um, Not to like, to fish for, for well wishes, but, but you know, how do you feel on your birthday? So I'm, I'm 37 today. And number one, I'm not a huge birthday person, probably because I wasn't raised as a big birthday person. Like we never had like the big parties. I was one of four. So it's not like, you know, the time stood still for like your birthday month. You know what I mean? Like nobody cared that much in my house about birthdays. So now as an adult, I don't really care about birthdays. And yet I always, I feel a little in in my head on my birthday, like, like, Mm -hmm. all right, here you are. What do you have to show for yourself? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I totally understand that. I'm exactly the same way. Every birthday, I have a goal for myself. I actually name the year. I name the year. Like when I turned 27, it was my year of yes. And then I turned 28. 
or no, that was 28. But this year is my year of habit. I just turned 30, May 25th. Oh, wow. And okay. I'm reflecting and I was thinking about, okay, what did I accomplish? All right. Well, I didn't really accomplish everything I wanted to, but this is God's timing that we're living on, you know, and I have to really just appreciate the process of, of life. And so on my birthdays, I'm very grateful. So yeah, I would say grateful. Okay. So talk to me about this year of habit. What did, what did that mean to you when you decided to declare it the year of habit? That meant that I have to try and stop procrastinating because I definitely have that problem too. <laughs> okay. I listened to this book by, oh, gosh, what is her name? I, it's on Audible. It's not coming to me, but it's called The Five Second Rule. Okay. And it's basically just telling you how when you think of something you want to do, you need to do it within five seconds. Otherwise, you're going to procrastinate and prolong it. So, my year of habit is really just making a decision and doing it right then instead of instead of waiting like if it even if it's something and there's another thing called atomic habits you know just take little by little start small so for example i start i have this um this barbell in my house and I do 10 squats a day. That's my little atomic habit for now because it's pretty heavy. And I know that that's not a lot, but that's kind of the idea. It's like, you just want to get yourself into the mode of actually doing it. And then once I have that habit locked in place, I can increase it more. You know what I mean? So, I love that because a lot of times we do procrastinate because the thing feels too large. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. What else has become habit as part of your year of habit? How did that play into writing the book? Did it play into it? I would say that it played into it uh, in terms of getting things done with marketing, you know, because there's a lot that goes into it. Preparing for the Kickstarter, creating the press kit, because that's something that I, it's work you know, so I procrastinate with that too sometimes. No, I get feeding the beast, you know, when you're promoting something, when I'm promoting a weekly podcast, you've got to get the content out there and feed the beast. And sometimes that beast feels so big that I just won't post for a week because <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed by even just one, you know, thinking about the one post I'm going to post. And next thing I know, five days have passed. And right. I haven't done anything because I felt overwhelmed. Right. It's like that with school too. I'm, I'm in school right now. I'm working on my bachelor's program. And yeah, I completely, I can totally relate. And I understand. And I feel the same way. Tell me what you're studying. Psychology. So, yep, I'm studying psychology. And I plan on getting my master's in marriage and family therapy. So. Oh, I love that. Tell me what, draw, what draws you to that field. I have always been the friend and the sister that people come to for advice, you know, and I love to give advice and, and sometimes it's easier said than done. It's, you know, it's kind of one of those things, well, you need to practice what you preach, but I'm really good at preaching it. So, <laughs> so I do. And I think that, you know, if I can give back and help people in that way to just have healthier relationships. I've, I've growing up, you know, I've seen a lot of unhealthy relationships 
in my life and and I've experienced them as well and and I think that there are so many ways that people can improve their relationship if they make a decision to. Okay, so let's um, talk a little bit about your journey to motherhood. So your son, Mason, how old is he? He's eight. Okay. And tell me what he, like, what, what are the kinds of things that he likes? Like, what, what kind of kid is he? Mason, oh my gosh, he has such a huge personality. He loves to sing. He loves to dance. He loves to model. He loves to act. <laughs> he loves science. Um, he loves math. And yeah, he just, he loves video games too. I can't leave that one out. <laughs> That's okay. It's important to be well-rounded. <laughs> so yeah. how did the book come about? So the book is called Mason and Milo, A Journey Through the Stars. Yes. So Mason and Milo, A Journey Through the Stars uh, came about actually when I was, I was on vacation with Mason and Mason was telling me that he wasn't having very good dreams. So I wrote him a lullaby and that's the lullaby that comes with the book. But as I would sing him this lullaby, I would always get these visuals and he loved the song. So I decided that I wanted to expand on the ideas within the song and you do something with the visuals. It just felt like something more. So that's how it came about. It was him not being able to dream well. And I just wanted to give him something to make him feel better. I was also tired of hearing the same lullabies, like, <laughs> you know, and so that's what really prompted me to write the song. And then the book, the book came second right after, but, but I love to write too. So it was like hand in hand for me. Yeah, combine so many things that you love, your son, music, writing. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about the story itself. So the story itself is, like I said, about a little boy who isn't having very good dreams. So he says a little prayer with his mom. As soon as mom leaves the room, a magical fairy appears. And she says, I heard you haven't been very, dreaming very often. Well, with my enchanted song, your dreams can't go wrong, but you must wear the magical eye mask that is now zapped under your pillow. So he looks under his pillow, he puts on this eye mask, cuddles up with his teddy bear, Milo, and all of a sudden, he and Milo are in this amazing world. Milo can now talk He's talking and moving around and they go on this amazing journey through the solar system, learning a little about each planet along the way. Mason was actually reading a planet book before bed. So that's how that came about. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Is he into outer space? He loves it. Oh, that's so cool. Automatically, just the, the story of, of Mason and his bear just made me think of my boys because both of my boys are stuffed animal kids love stuffed animals sleep with 75 of them each yeah so that's that's very sweet oh my gosh mason too he loves them <laughs> I lo yeah i love that there's something so sweet and nurturing about these these little boys who take care of these little stuffed rabbits i'm like you guys are you guys are darling <laughs> yeah that well at least your boys have each other mason is begging me for a little sibling so <laughs> oh gosh he loves babies. 
Oh, that's I, so sweet. Yeah, I think the stuffed animals are just kind of doing for now. They're sufficing, you know. <laughs> How did um, this idea then become a book? So I got into my Word document and I just started typing. I started typing, you know, writing the book. With that, I also wrote down the illustration descriptions, you know, so I had my manuscript basically done and it actually took me quite a while before I hired an illustrator. I tried to, I, you know, I did some editing myself. I hired an illustrator. That illustrator did not end up working out, unfortunately, just because of the style and I wanted to make sure that what I was seeing was my vision or better than my vision, yeah. you know? And, and I, I didn't quite get that the first time around. And I think it was just a stylistic thing. Um, but then after that, that didn't work out, I said to myself, you know, since I want everything so great, I should probably get a real editor. <laughs> and so I hired my editor, which she is amazing and just took the book to another level. And then I found my illustrator, Luis Perez from, and he's in Portugal. Oh, wow. And he, he actually specializes in astronomy. And so it was just, it, I just basically created my, my dream team. And I came out with a project that I really love. That's really cool. I, I, um, I'm interested in how you, like how you decided to, to reach out to these people. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a one woman show during the, doing these podcasts. And I often wonder like, would it elevate things by having, you know, a, you know, bringing in additional ideas? Mm, yeah, that's a good thought. When I want something, I kind of get laser focus on it. So, you know, it doesn't really, okay. My editor, she was in a group there. There's a, there's a community of authors and writers and illustrators on, on Facebook. And so I was, I knew I was kind of looking what I was looking for. I knew what I was looking for, but when I saw her, I looked into her and I said, I need her. I need yeah. her on my, and so I reached out to her and, and asked her to be on my team. Same with my illustrator. It just, it wasn't really something that I sat and thought about for too long. I just knew what I wanted. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. So how have you kept Mason kind of in the loop during this whole project? He is basically the project, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. If I'm like, okay, Mason, Mason is the audiobook narrator. So he's doing the audio performance of the book. It's in first person. So it, it'll be like the kids are experiencing this, you know, as they read the book or as they listen to Mason perform. And there's been times where I jokingly say to Mason, like if he's being naughty or something, and I jokingly say to him, look, Mason, I can take you out of the book if you want to, you know, <laughs> and he'll say, mom, that book is about me. You, there's no way you can take me out of it. And he acts like he wrote the book. <laughs> I love that threat though. That takes like the, I'll turn this car right around thing to right. the next level of punishment. <laughs> yeah, you know, it sucks because it doesn't work. Like he knows that I would never do it. <laughs> right, right. 
So you talked to me um, via email about just wanting to keep him really involved in the process. What do you hope to teach him through that? Courage, confidence, and to go after his dreams, to do, to do what he really wants to do. And I want him to learn interpersonal communication skills. I want him to know how to, um, he, I want him to have that social intelligence. Yeah, I think that's such an important skill. And uh, I wonder if our kids are really going to need that extra leg up on things, the more time that they spend in a digital world. I mean, I think I see it now, even through some of the younger people that join our staff, they're less comfortable on the phone. They're less comfortable interacting with people. And it's just a product of the world that they grew up in versus the one that we grew up in. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. And that is in the forefront of my mind as I make these decisions and have him being involved in different things because I see the virtual world and I see what, you know, the younger generation is doing. And I'm like, my son needs to have some old school skills. I completely agree. The other day, we're trying to fix a leak in the kid's bathroom. And my husband said, well, the toilet obviously needs a new beeswax seal. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, well, you know, the between the floor and the toilet is apparently a beeswax seal. And so you can go to Home Depot and you can buy a beeswax seal. And so he did that while I was gone at work yesterday. And mm -hmm. every time he fixes something like that around the house, I go, oh my gosh, someone has to teach our kid how to do this stuff because I really hope that one day my boys are the type of men who can or want to be able to fix this stuff. I'm not saying you don't, you know, you have to as a man to be a certain kind of man, but just, well, I just want my kid to have those skills. Thankfully, their dad is a hands-on guy who can teach them that sort of stuff, but, but they have to want to learn it too. So yeah, yeah. I love beeswax seals and toilets <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool yeah that's they have to apply themselves just like they apply themselves to all the little things that they like to do they have to have that same interest in real life situations like mason his name means stone builder and so he always says that he wants to be a builder and i say okay well that's great now we need to actually start watching YouTube videos and see what these guys do, because it's not just as easy as saying you want to do it. We have to really start to learn if that's what you want, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he would make an excellent builder. Okay, let's dive into some topics that I had. Um, just a couple of things that are in the news parenting wise. Um, this one I think is kind of cool. Okay, so um, Kevin Hart has four kids mm -hmm. and they were all on the set of this new project. I have not watched it, Fatherhood? I just watched it the other day with my son. Oh, what did you think? It was great. I was impressed thoroughly. Oh, cool. All right, so is it is it um, for parents only or is it a family show to watch? No family it's a okay. family it was so great it was so emotional and moving 
Um, I was surprised to see Kevin Hart in that different element. And it was such a beautiful thing to see. I loved that movie. Okay, so yeah. is it on? Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. And Denise, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm always looking for something better to watch with my kids because they always want to watch like some terrible, terrible cartoon. And, you know, and then I, it's like, I don't want to disengage and just look at my phone, but I end up doing it because I don't want to watch what they're watching. My husband is so good. He will sit and he'll watch and he'll comment on the plot points of these terrible cartoons. And <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not watching that. I'm, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> I have a good one for you. I have a good one for you. Have you heard of Superbook? Superbook? No. It's such a good show. And it's actually, it's Bible-based. They're okay. Bibles. But they're so awesome. Mason loves it. It's like this little, this little robot. There's okay, so these kids, they're in present time, like now, in the, you know, nowadays. And they have these situations. Maybe they get in a fight with each other or whatever. So the robot says, Superbook, come, on, come along. <laughs> and so then they travel back into the Bible times and they watch these cool stories of how, um, for example, like Noah's Ark or, you know. Yeah. And it's really amazing. Mason loves it. Oh, interesting. Superbook. I'm going to keep that one in mind. Okay, so Kevin Hart... He was on set making this fatherhood movie. He has four kids. And um, so this was the headline. The headline is why Kevin Hart made his kids learn everyone's names on the set of fatherhood. The father of four says he's doing everything he can to raise kind, hardworking humans. So um, the director was the one talking about this saying that Kevin Hart made them find out everyone's name and what their job was. If they got them all right, I think they won something. And it was a great way of learning about film sets. Um, and then when I guess Kevin Hart would like order ice cream or something like a treat for everybody on set, then he had the kids hand them all out. Well, first and foremost, like I, I love that. And then secondly, I'm thinking, I can't believe teaching your children to have manners on a, on a work project just made a news headline, but it did. <laughs> I think that's a nice thing. I think it's nice to see more positive, uh, more positive things in the news. I don't watch the news often because of, of that. I don't want to see like a bunch of negativity a lot, you know? And so I just tend to stay away from it, but I think it's nice to highlight things like that. And, and yes, it, it doesn't really seem like something that would be a headline, you know, it's kind of a small thing, but I think it's pretty cool. It reminded me of a book by John C. Maxwell, where John in that book, he was talking about how he learns everyone's names. He, he tries not to forget their names because it really changes their view of, of you, I guess, if you can remember their name. It's just an act of kindness, like you were saying. And how it always feels good. Like even when people pronounce my name correctly, it feels nice. <laughs>
Well, it's a direct acknowledgement that you care enough to say it correctly and remember it. That's what I always say to people, yes. I don't get mad if people don't. My, I have a hard name. Naila's not very easy. So I won't get mad if, if you guys can't pronounce my name, you know, right? I, I've been having that issue since I was in preschool. People have been mispronouncing my name. So it's nothing new. Next topic I have for you. Okay. Gigi Hadid, you know who that is? Yes. She posts an emotional plea to paparazzi to blur her daughter's face in photos. So she has a brand new baby, a nine month old daughter with that guy from One Direction. And so she says, on our most recent visit to New York, she's wanted to like lift the, the sunshade up of the stroller so that she, you know, the daughter can just see the city. And right. she feels like she can't do that because people will take photos of her daughter. And so I feel like I'm torn. I feel like I'm torn about that. Um, so she's just saying like, don't take pictures of my daughter. And if you do, and then you want to publish it, you need to blur, blur her face so that, you know, we can walk around with the, with the baby in the stroller. I don't know. What are your immediate thoughts about that? Uh, my immediate thoughts go to how I think the paparazzi, oh, it's just so frustrating. I understand that they, they have to make money, but it's so sad. I've cried. I've actually cried looking at what some celebrities have to go through and how these paparazzi people are like tormenting them. It's sadly, when you really think about it, I don't think people really give it that much thought, but it's, it's really a sad situation. And for her, you know, she is in, in, in the eye of the public. She, I'm sure people will see her daughter at some point. So if I were her, I would be asking myself, is this a battle I want to fight? Does it really matter that much? I want my privacy. I don't have it. So personally, I would be working on changing the laws with paparazzi. Right, right. Yeah, and I don't really know what um, what those are because from what I understand, just in my job, if it happens on a public street, you know, it's fair game. And the question I always have is, you know, you hear so often that, that celebrities call the paparazzi on themselves. So sometimes I feel like they want to be able to profit off of their image and their children's image, but they, they want everybody to follow their rules, which sometimes seems unfair because, you know, there, there's a little bit of a double standard where it's like, I'll decide and I don't know. But, but, but then I also, I also am in a position where I don't really want people knowing what my kids look like. And I'm not even that important in the grand scheme of things, but I do feel a little protective of my kids. Now, granted, no one's ever like chased me down the street trying to get a picture of my kids. <laughs> not yet. Know. Not yet. <laughs> oh yeah. Any day now, they're probably waiting outside. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's such an interesting question because you know, I go back and forth about how much I want to put my kids on social media. I under I understand. I think that I don't think she's in the wrong for wanting her kid to be blurred. As far as the pop, yeah, you're right about when you say they ask for it and then they want to try to choose, you know, what happens with it sometimes and then on other times, maybe they don't want to be seen as much. I don't think that's fair. I think that 
if they are the type, I, I really, honestly, I just believe that it's a case by case situation. You know, everyone, right. some celebrities, they love that and other celebrities, they really do just want to do what they love, touch people's lives and live a normal life. Right. You know, it's really a conflicting and controversial, difficult situation. Yeah. And I mean, we saw, you know, what happened to Britney Spears in the intensity of the public eye and oh you know, her, her story is going crazy right now because people can't believe that, you know, she's in this 13 year conservatorship and it all started back when she was clearly um, in my uninformed viewpoint going through postpartum something uh, after her babies were born very close together and tremendous pressure she was under and the media was crazy at that time. And so obviously that, that attention has, can have really, really negative implications quickly. Right. Is all of that really true about her with her being in the, um, what is it? Yeah, it's a conservatorship. So she has no, she has no say over her own money, her own fertility, her own ability to pick the oh. colors of her kitchen cabinets. And, you know, it's interesting because I listen to a lot of podcasts and some podcasts are saying that judges don't do this on a whim. There must be something more here that we don't know about. And on the other hand, one that I was listening to today was saying, you have the right, even if it's dumb, you have the right to spend all your money. You have the right to do drugs. You have the right to make bad decisions. And so at some point, she should be allowed to make whatever bad decisions she wants to. The problem is, is that there are too many people who make money off of her. And those people don't want her to make bad decisions because then they don't get money from her. That's so sad. Is she, and she's out of it or is she still in it? No, she's still in it. It was either last week or the week before that she went before a judge and said, I don't want to do this anymore. But the problem is, is that she said, you know, I want you to lift the conservatorship, but I don't want, I don't want you to evaluate me any further. I don't want to have any tests run on me. I don't want a psychologist involved. And so. Uh, well, that, I mean, that's a little much, Brittany. Like, she's <laughs> You know, I, there has to be a, a, a balance there because clearly she was not completely emotionally stable, you know, just from what I've watched and heard, I really don't like saying what people should do or shouldn't do, but uh, I think it would be wise to at least have a psychologist. Right. Well, it would be, I think a judge would be hard pressed to reverse a decision like that without the backing of some other people. But then there's a lot of people saying, well, all of those people could potentially be corrupted within the system, you know? And so who's to say that that psychologist doesn't have a stake in the game of her remaining under these terms? She's paying every single person in that courtroom to lift that conservatorship. She's paying for her dad's lawyers, her own lawyers, all the experts involved. So she's paying her own money to get her lifted out of conservatorship to get control of her own money. It's a fat, it's a fascinating legal case. And I'm not a lawyer by any means, but, but I've listened to enough podcasts that, that kind of lay out some of the different sides of it that show you just how complex it is. Because I think 
the public at, at large wants to say, just let this woman go, but there is so much more involved and you don't know how much of it is financially driven. Oh my gosh, that's gotta be hard. What do you think is gonna happen? I think, again, I don't know the law specifically, but I would think that there would have to be a way to either number one, get the people out of the picture who have a financial stake and have a, a better, you know, a neutral third party, and then slowly back off of those limitations so that she can live her life. And then maybe the judge can revisit it after a certain amount of time to, to, to show that she's doing fine. I mean, conservatorships are for end of life. You know, they're, they're not for somebody who can have a Vegas residency and dance her butt off seven nights a week, you know, that's, that doesn't seem to fit the, the idea that you can't control the way you spend your money. And at the end of the day, if she got out of the conservatorship today and lost all of her money, that's within her rights to do so. There are plenty of people who don't make great decisions in life and they're walking around fine. I hope they let her go. That would be my hope. I think she's been through a lot. Yeah. One thing that made a lot of people really sad, which, you know, it would, be horrible to think about is she does not have the right to her own fertility. She has to have an IUD in to prevent her from getting pregnant. That's insane. That's a level of control that that would be devastating. I mean, how old is she? She's got to be... I think she's like 38 or 39. Okay. And so ugh, th she's at that age now to where it's like, if I want another baby, I need to have my baby now. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, that is so, it's like they're stealing her life away. They're taking her soul. Yeah, I just want to know what the other side of the coin is. What, what don't we know about her health? And we're not privy to know it, but what don't we know about her health that caused her to be in the conservatorship to begin with? And at the end of the day, I think we all hope that our judges are fair and looking at the law and the law only. And so what right. does the law really say about her predicament and whether this is the right choice for her. I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the emotion of the idea of a young woman being under this level of control, but, but like what, it, what is really going on here? And yeah, yep. again, we're not, we're not necessarily privy, privy to that. Yep. You're, you're right about that. There could be, I mean, she may have like attempted to murder someone. We don't, we don't really know. We have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah, but that's but it's clear there's a lot of people in her life who are not working in her best interest. And I think that's right. what people want to be addressed first. Yes, I agree. Yep. How the heck did we get on Britney Spears? <laughs> <laughs> a fun topic. Oh my gosh, what's your favorite Britney Spears song? Uh um, Toxic. Obviously really? a huge fave. Yeah. That like that music video with her in the um in like the flight outfit. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say mine, oh, I used to love two songs. Hit Me Baby One More Time. So, well, it's oh, one gee. more. And Lucky. Oh, I loved that song. Yeah, yeah, which if you listen to it now, it's kind of, I don't know, there's a little foreshadowing in there. Hmm, I, you know what? I'll have to go back and listen to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> to listen to it, but I do still blast my Britney. I still do. <laughs> 
because I'm a 90s baby. So she was my first pop artist and I was in love with her. And I still, when I clean up, I put on some Britney sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know who is my first pop artist? So this like, <laughs> this makes me a little, little bit older than you. Ace of Base. Do you I've know never, Ace of Base? I've never <laughs> heard them. <laughs> I'm the sorry. Sign? Come on, you know that song that's like, I saw the sign. I'm not going to sing it. Oh my God. <laughs> I saw the sign. Yeah, that was- there you go. Oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't sing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would have been like my real like first pop. Unless you count like Tiffany, you know, like some of those 80s, 80s pop songs. But I would say my like one of my very first CDs in the 90s was Ace of Base. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I do love that song. <laughs> All right. Naila, what else should we talk about? How do you want to wrap things up? What does the summer look like for you? Summer is looking like definitely more swimming pools. Yes, spending a lot of time out in nature, taking work or taking walks, taking work. Oh, that too. <laughs> I'm taking work and walks. <laughs> <laughs> can you leave the listeners with like one, one small move that they can do to make this their year of habit? Make your bed every morning. No, no, I did not want you to say that. (laughs) I can't, I won't, I can't. (laughs) Make your bed every morning. And then here's another thing, gratitude, do like affirmations or always say what you're thankful. Like for me personally, I have a a spiritual relationship with God. You know, everyone has their own beliefs, so I don't judge, but um, I am always thanking God throughout the day just for being alive, for the clothes on my back, for the place that I live in. And it makes me happy, you know? It, It highlights all the blessings that are surrounding me. Even when we're going through difficult times in life, there's always something positive that's happening in your life right now if you choose to see it that way. It's kind of like the glass are half half full or half empty, you know? I have a very easy time being grateful when I'm in a good mood or, but the second I'm having a bad day, I'm not grateful for one single tiny thing. (laughs) And I think that's my, that's my struggle. Like I, it's very easy to be at peace and like look around and feel good. And then like, if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, Everything is absolutely terrible. I'm not grateful. Denise, you have fun. a lot of people have that same problem. They're the same way. And it takes work. Like it takes, you have to literally work on not being that way. You know uh, what I mean? <laughs> Okay, so how can people connect with you? What's the best place to reach out to you, find the Kickstarter, all of those things? Okay, so you can reach out to me on Facebook at Naila Suleimana or facebook.com forward slash Naila Suleimana, or you can follow the book page, which is facebook.com forward slash Mason and Milo one, Mason and Milo number one. Um, On Instagram, I'm at Naila Suleimana. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to tag you in all these posts and then people can find you even quicker that way. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Denise. It's been a pleasure. I had such a great time talking to you. My thanks to Naila. And I'm not making my bed every day. That's just a bridge too far for me. But I appreciate her ideas about trying to expand our level of gratitude in life.
Okay, so if you want to learn more about Naila and check out her Kickstarter where you can support the book and help her raise money to provide 50 of her book sets to the University of Iowa Stead Family Children's Hospital, that will all be on Instagram at On a Mother Level. Or you can check the show notes where I provided a link to her website as well. So definitely check out the Instagram at On a Mother Level. Give us a follow check everything out. We appreciate you. Please share an episode with a friend. It is helping us build the podcast, and I'm so grateful to you for that. Have a great rest of your week. You have been listening to On a Mother Level. When it comes to parenthood, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.